So we've come to our our starting time. <clears throat> I say in retreat sometimes it's um, we get our cushions ready and everything set up and uh, it's like getting in the car and putting on your seatbelt and you get everything ready and then you slam on the brakes. <laughs> we start by stopping. And so we'll not exactly stopping, uh, but we we come to settle and so let's sit for a few minutes together. It's such a marvelous everyday miracle that we're alive at all. Just to sit silently together for even a few minutes. all across the globe. And that our many, many hearts are beating 
our lungs are breathing, our nervous system is functioning in some way, and we have various capacities and limitations, but we're alive and we're here. And we're much more than our ideas about all of this. These are, each life is immense, ungraspable, the history, what's yet to come, the, the body in which all of it rests and moves and lives and breathes for every single one. And then there are so many. It's a vibrant, pulsing network of life. And sometimes when we stop and sit and notice by connecting with our own bodies, we can feel and appreciate the one body. The unending vast heart and mind of the entire universe, but we're required for its expression, all of us together. And so we sit with that appreciation. Our sitting is the gratitude. It is the expression. of this inconceivable but completely livable life. Sometimes it's useful, as I've said before, even if it's just a blink to take a look at the screen for a moment as you sit, not necessarily looking at any particular person, but just noticing how many lives have stepped forward here. Whether there's an image or not, there's a little square that indicates, and there's so many others that those squares indicate that aren't here. Each one with a heart that's beating, each one lungs are breathing, each one a mind that's thinking and remembering or hoping, each one they can see and smell and taste and touch and hear. Some of those lies will go on for a very long time, some maybe not as long, and we don't know, so we appreciate, appreciate them and ourselves.
and with this um, awesome and tender appreciation, uh, we chant vast as the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. The one true nature. I made a few notes about what I might want to speak about today as encouragement for our inquiry. Um, and, and just before I, uh, I was preparing for bed and I had to sit down because I had a, I had a thought or a realization or uh, at least an awareness of something that I had not, and not appreciated in exactly this way. I, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it in, in a, in a different way, but I th something unusual and wonderful, I think, is happening. Um, but I mean, it could be just my awareness is changing so that I'm noticing in a different way. But you know, you know, for the past several weeks, I've mentioned that someone has sent me something, um, maybe an email or a note, or we've talked or or something that has appeared in my awareness that's been right in front of me all along, but I, I didn't see it, and suddenly I, I notice it. So that that wasn't exactly new, but it, but it came together in a different way last night, and I was thinking that this is one of the ways that big mind expresses itself. If we understand and begin to appreciate this. We have our individual specific cells, but there's also this one heart, one mind that's functioning, manifesting through our relationships and our connections. Um, that that's, that's what's happening. You know, brain scientists draw these incredibly detailed maps of brain anatomy, and we use computer technology to um, use scans, and we can see three-dimensional aspects of our nervous systems. Uh, not only the brain, but but other parts of the nervous system, and there are these complex studies of neurotransmitters and how they influence brainwave electrical functions. And anyway, all of this about the the central nervous system, especially, and but but how all of this creates consciousness is a complete mystery. It's one of the great scientific frontiers that hasn't been understood yet. It's one of the greatest scientific frontiers is still, we know more about outer space than we know about how consciousness happens actually. 
so I'm going to explain it to no, I don't know either <laughs> what that is. But I'm using it as an analog to what this thing that I'm noticing. But we do appreciate at least even if we don't understand the mechanism that consciousness is this miraculous emergent property of all the things I listed, you know, brains and chemicals and bodies and really all that stuff people. But also wakefulness is an emergent property of all of us practicing together. Now that's not different than what we've taught before, but I was, I was feeling it in a different way that we are actually the embodiment of Indra's net, this vast interconnection of relationships. We are literally the heart and mind of the world. That's not just a metaphor functioning together. And sometimes you can notice this marvelous and inconceivable embodied blooming fluorescence. Um, and I, I was just appreciating that so much more deeply in a way. I mean, I, maybe I sound like I'm just repeating myself, but, and that does not deny our a beautiful individuality, each, uh, our, our gardenia bush is blooming right now. So each gardenia is unique and yet they're all a gardenia. They're all the, there's something unique uh, and, and, and also similar about them because they come from the same bush. That quote that I've often used from Mary Oliver's poem, the Buddha's last instruction, where she says, clearly I'm not needed yet. I feel myself turning into something of inexplicable value. I'm both not, I mean, I'm, I'm so small and yet all of our smallnesses together make this completely necessary. Each person's practice is required. Each relationship is a necessary link. And these networks of Sangha relations and shared intentions, our vows and the everyday enactments of kindness and compassion and wisdom and, and care for each other make something else possible that none of us could have done alone. <clears throat> and it requires constancy and our vows. And also the part, <clears throat> pardon me, I want to emphasize to going forward is that, and this not being alone and appreciating this way in which awakening comes through all of us, makes it possible to face what awakening asks of us and what it takes away. What it opens to us, what it demands and what it very generously offers. And so I want to go back through a series of these offerings that I said are coming that, that are the manifestations of this uh, shared thing that's waking up. I hope this is making sense. It's like, wow, something else is happening. Because I used to come to inquiry uh, back when I was, for example, in Austin, and I would come to the little back house and I'd come in and people were waiting and I'd, you know, grab a, a poem or think about something and talk about it. And um, being online changed that partly because it became so much larger in some ways. And, and uh, I started writing things down and and then people started sending me something. So now it wasn't just 
my making those few steps and people coming forward, uh, things were coming to me and I'm responding to them. There's a, like a deeper breath in all of this. So I want to go back a couple of weeks to one of the things that I, I mentioned. And I think that Steve uh, Hooks is here uh, from Tulsa. And Steve, could you raise your hand or click the little thing if you don't mind? Put you on the spot here. <laughs> and um, if you don't mind unmuting him, And I thought there he is. Hi, Steve. Hey, Flip. Hi, hi. You hear, hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. You know, when you sent that longer piece by uh, Baswi a few weeks ago, um, do, you, do you mind, uh, like I said, I know I'm putting you on the spot, would you mind mentioning, like, what? prompted you well, um, there was something about that uh, and and I've I'm going to screen share this because I I pulled out just a tiny piece this part up here on top uh, just read that out loud for a second and then you can answer my question <laughs> okay so yeah this is a quote that uh... And I think he was, my attention. he was talking about Zazen, right? Yeah. About the path is, is the way I. Yeah, yeah. So when this inquiry feels insurmountable and you're unable to understand anything, when you've exhausted all ideas and don't know where to turn, you are proceeding correctly. You will no longer question the fact that your mind is Buddha. Yeah, and what what brought you to uh, to send that to me? <laughs> well, it was something that came to mind in one of our conversations, and uh, it was no coincidence. What what well, brought that? that. I, I was at that at that place where I yeah felt like I was unable to understand anything and uh, stuck and insurmountable barriers that I couldn't see a way over or under or around or through. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, I love this quote because it's so paradoxical, you know? Uh, and that's why I, I added the little piece because I, Took some things out just to make it brief the last part that says you will no longer question that your mind is like the buddha's mind yeah that's the paradoxical part isn't it so i think probably when i got on this path or started on this path 15 years ago like everybody else's i assume from suffering you know that i wanted to be free of and uh so 15 years later i found myself caught in a very sticky self-centered dream with the predictable consequences. And um, so at a time like that, for me, 
at least one of the ideas my mind plays with is, oh, where has this path gotten me? I'm still, I'm still stuck. <laughs> exactly. Was this a good idea? I'm just stuck at a higher level, that's all. And suffering at a higher level. Yeah, is this, is this where, is this working? Right. Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's like the question you ask sometimes, why are we here? Right. <laughs> well, I thought I was here to end my suffering, but here I am. That's right. Again, with stuck in an insurmountable or bar insurmountable barriers and feel like yeah. I don't understand anything. So what that quote is a quote that I keep in a document on the computer desktop that I pull up from time to time when I'm feeling that way. And to me, it's just a reminder that um, it's all part of the path and uh, that my job or my challenge is just to trust the unfolding. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a hard thing to do. It takes some faith, obviously, or at least that's the way it feels to me. And it, and it takes each other. Which is yeah, with us today, and and I do like your the way you prefaced all this. It's because of sangha and our connections that helps me make helps me make that leap of faith. Yeah, even um, it's even tolerable because it's not everybody has a stomach for this, you know. No. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate your revisiting this with us again, especially just kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. Uh, it's really important. And you brought it to others because I used it, you know, in inquiry afterwards. Uh, so I want to take the next step. So I'm going to um, ask, you're going to step away. And and um, what Maria is going to do is uh, bring um, Marla up. And she's going to talk about what happened when she heard it. Well, two weeks ago. For <laughs> me? It got your attention somehow, this bus. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, two weeks ago when I when I heard Boswe's words about the insurmountability and the exhaustion of the way, um, but that you are on the correct path. It took my mind directly to four years ago when my uh, daughter with whom I have a precious and fragile relationship, introduced me to a poem by Wendell Berry at precisely the correct moment in my life. And very similar. It may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And that when we no longer know which way to go, we have come to our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. And when I close my eyes, I can envision a stream 
and green around it and impediments like logs and rocks and channels and tree roots and the burbling and the singing of the water as it as it flows through that and the beauty and i'm i I know you well enough and we've spoken about this a little bit that that you found yourself in this stream you know with all of us and there is some singing some clamoring and some shouting and some protests also (laughs) because that's what it calls forward yeah and this weaving that i'm doing is you know something comes and then it touches something else and then that brings something else and each thing continues Uh, this is the way that transmission of the dharma moves so thank you anything else you want to say i just wanted to make sure i didn't cut you off no i i just the connection to me came through a vision of uh of the countless um exquisite silken threads that reminds me of the rakasu that Mm. connect all things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly and i was struck as you were of course by baswi saying when you don't know where to go and wendell berry saying and when you've it's like oh and it's these difficulties that are actually the path they're not the things that are in the way of the path we find ourselves free in the stream not from it and the singing and the singing uh and the singing is actually what we're doing right now that's our lives yeah that's what comes up so we're going to continue the baton passing thank you for that um because then uh marla actually offered this in a, a group yesterday morning and immediately following it or right before actually right before that group i get a text early morning here in hawaii from ed ed sanctious so we're going to ask him to come forward now morning ed good morning yeah yeah i'm heard yeah so we uh I got this text from you yesterday morning early when I'm thinking about these things and you showed up as Master Baswi, as Wendell Berry, as Ed, you know, <laughs> and uh, you'd been out on the beach that morning, apparently. Yes. Waiting, wait, waiting, watching, engaged with um, sunrise. And um, Thanks. It was something. This is um, this is something that started uh, over the weekend with me, um, and I know I had spoken. Um, I guess it was on the second day uh, uh, about. Um, I guess being part of everything that everyone has said that Stephen and um, Marla have just said, being in that that place, um, being alive, living life, and coming to that place where. There's so much going on. There's things that you don't know. There's things that don't make sense. Um, There's aspects uh, going on that are just absolutely marvelous um, at the same time. And um, as the sun was coming up, um, 
Well, you'll see the last the last four lines are what was gifted to, to me um, through just being there and and observing and being engaged with with that part of 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 reality. And um, this was, I guess, and it's it's odd. It's synchronous. You know, the synchronicity is is awesome. Um, that Marla had uh, presented that because I was not aware of the Wendell Berry quote and it, it blew my socks off. Um, and of course, the boss, we, what can you say that? That <laughs> it perfectly. Um, and this was just trying to say that this is, this is where I am. This is what I am. And I value it. I appreciate it. Um, and as you said, um, there's no turning back at this point. <laughs> uh oh, and that's why you start the piece as you did. So why don't you read it through? Because the first line is what you had said to me previously, and then the last bit came to you at the in the sunrise. Yes. Go ahead and read it through. We hear it in your voice. It's risky business. This letting go, this growing up, this waking up, feeling that rudderless is progress. Noticing that the invisible, once seen, is and always has been sufficient epiphany. Remembering that the meaning of the donut is the whole, and real magic is wonder grown up to be ordinary, and real magic is the ordinary grown up to be wonder. And that's that's risky business. The real magic is wonder grown up to be ordinary. And the real magic is the ordinary grown up to be wonder. And that's what I was experiencing there um, on the beach, the the magic of sunrise and all the elements, clouds, wind, you know, something you can't really see, but is all around you. And getting still, um, we're in that point of, okay, where am I going? Why? What is this? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just... Um, it's an amazing thing. Plus, all of the stuff, especially this weekend's um, retreat, the value of having that family and that connection, all of that stuff was woven in too. Um, and how unified we are, and even in our individualness, um, we are we are there in our unity and uniformity. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for the offering. And then uh, this is the interesting thing. Each of you, you know, you, you don't really know what your offering is bringing forward. And there's something happening that's bigger than each of the offerings, but yet it's going in the same direction. Mm. It's kind of remarkable, you know. We call it uh, synchronous, but um, it's like that old uh, AA quote um, that... Uh, this coincidence is God's way of being anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I said that to our friend DeWitt Jones the other day, and he said, yeah, and beauty is God's way of being obvious. Yeah. <laughs> a little theistic, but it's kind of a fun thing. So thank you, Ed. Thank you so much for that. <clears throat> I heard a, a, a quote the other day offered by, to me, by another uh, student who said they'd listened to something from, or maybe it was Steve, I think. I can't remember. No, no, uh, maybe in Christiana. Uh, Chris talked about uh, Adi Shanti saying, practice will always checkmate you. 
And, you know, in, in, in chess, maybe, you know, you know, check is when the, you've gotten to where there's no possible escape for the opponent's king. You know, now that's checkmate. There's nowhere else to go. The, the first book that Pema Chodron ever published in 1991, the title was The Wisdom of No Escape. In which she speaks to this theme that everybody is, uh, and it's interesting because I've said this before, if you look at her next few books in that first series, in 1994, she published um, Start Where You Are. So the wisdom of no escape, okay, you're checkmated. So you've got to start where you are. Then in 1996, she wrote the most famous one, When Things Fall Apart. It's like, oh, you can't go any further. You got to start where you are. Everything's falling apart. And the next one in 2001 was The Places That Scare You. It's risky business, as Ed said. So there's a, um, and this song that Wendell Berry talks about in the stream that Marla suggested, and which was actually echoed in Ed's uh, The Waves in the Ocean. There's a particularly gorgeous and tender kind of song which flowed from this past weekend. Uh, Ed mentioned the retreat, some of you don't know. Uh, there was um, a, a weekend retreat on um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the UK, uh, just this group of sanghas. Uh, it was held in Lancaster, where Nothing Missing is. And uh, Josh and Trudy um, co-leading that, that retreat, and I was um, graciously asked to come in and give Dharma talks in the evening with our 11 hour difference. <clears throat> and it was also the ending of a practice period in which John Coatman, who's here, uh, so graciously served as head student uh, for this past long, long year. And Jill Bradley was his assistant, which in the temples we call a Benji. And it's, it's uh, typical in, the, um, in that final ceremony, which um, uh, Josh and Trudy held there for, for John. Um, for the Benji to uh, write or offer a poem uh, to uh, in um, in honor of the head student's time is um, as she saw. And I wanted to to finish this tapestry of weaving together of these things because then this just came on the weekend, um, and it so beautifully echoes what the embodiment of all this seems to look like in our, our practice. And the, I asked Jill if she would read it, but she, she works late uh, on this day, so she can't be at inquiry. So uh, I'm gonna ask uh, Trudy to read it. So we have a, a proper English voice reading this uh, poem. Um, but I wanna say a couple of things. You can go ahead and bring her forward, of course. Um, when you when you look at the written poem, and I'm going to screen share it so you'll be able to read it easily, Trudy, in just a second. When you look at the written poem which she sent me, um, the title is In Your Dreams. And then on a side it says Acknowledging, Acknowledgement to Emily Dickinson. And I just want to let you know what that is uh, before we go there. Some of you may know I didn't because I'm not a scholar of Emily Dickinson's poetry. 
in one of her most famous poems, <clears throat> Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Uh, and it starts, Hope is the Thing with Feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And then it goes on a little further. Uh, the sweetest in the gale is heard. The sore must be the storm. It talks of, it uses an image of a bird that even in the storm doesn't stop and can use to sing. <clears throat> so the poem calls up this imagery of, um, of hope being like a bird that doesn't disappear in the storms and doesn't stop no matter what's going on. So that's, that's part of the, and you'll hear <clears throat> in a reference to the feathers in it. Um, so I just wanted you to understand that it's kind of a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So, in your dreams, with an acknowledgement to Emily Dickinson, Jill Bradford. I'm going to interrupt you, sorry. Just make sure everyone remembers that she's writing this very intimately to John. Mm. That's important. She looked at John so sweetly as she read it. Yes. It's for John. In your dreams, doubts folded in on themselves over and over, each crease and every turn of the paper, until emerging a crane, an eagle. You have led us past ancient text and obscure koans, walked us through bells and sticks to the unfolding compassion where our hearts turned to stare. You lifted the veil from parts, showed us the meeting rooms of our inner chaos, handed us a med mediator too, to understand, soften and ease. Our exiled and unloved parts, those told to rein it in or do it differently, your wisdom showed them freedom to dance, play and love. There are no mistakes to forgive. Rather, we desire to offer back to you the uncovered love, fledged fragments now honored, heard and met, hope, a thing with feathers, compassion, a thing with parts. And since the two of you um, were in the room, uh, if there's anything else you wanted to say about that, um, I'd be open, you know, it's not required, but since you were there, I wasn't there when she read it originally. I think it was so beautiful, people didn't know Jill had, read, had written it. So there was a little wave of awe <laughs> about how well she'd captured something about John's journey as, as head student and um, the real companion she'd been to him and the real companion he'd been to her. Mm -hmm. so it was a really close moment. Mm. Mm. And I think too, there was, um a wave of awe on top of the awe that was already there for the way that John had inhabited the role. Mm -hmm. And it starts by her honestly speaking to the difficulties. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the stream that's blocked, the not knowing where to go, and yet, and yet, mm -hmm. that continuity. So... Uh, and, and that honesty uh, and the vulnerability with it is what we end up with and mm. how these 
I hope you, it makes sense how these things are unfolding. They're all sort of woven, and it's so beautiful the way it weaves into an actual lived life in our Sangha. So thank you for helping us with this. And can I can I add in another poem? Oh, I hope you would. I was wondering if you might. So as you were talking, the, the Indra's net idea. Um, so in, in England, we can go what's called mackerel fishing. And it's like a, you have a single line and it, it, it's long and it's got little hooks that come off it. And that's it's mackerel fishing. That's a mackerel line. So I was reminded of a poem I wrote a while ago called um, Maybe Love is Like a Mackerel Line. When I was about seven, my parents took me fishing in a small boat. We each cast a line, a mackerel line, a single thread holding many hooks over the side and into the waiting seas. The line spooled into the inky depths. And when I finally pulled it up, there was one small wriggling fish, some seaweed and an old flip-flop attached. That which was wanted and the abandoned detritus of a careless world. Maybe love is like that. We cast our longing overboard, watching it sink into the dark unknown. There is no way we can determine what we will land. Love and kindness and connection and pain and failure. The present moment and our histories all tangled and caught up from exactly the same place. To catch one, we have to open to catching everything that comes with it. I've been finding that the depth of love and the preciousness of it inextricably caught up with pain too. Love brings up things most unlike itself and I'm not returning any of it. <laughs> the, the little title that I had on my own notes today, it came from Ed's line, it's risky business. Risky business. Oh, that's so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And it's happening. Mm. I mean, you then brought that forward because of what was been, and this is what I'm saying. There's something alive, something beautiful. It's like your garden. Things are starting to bloom and blossom in various ways and die and not work out and but continue like the birds in the storm yeah yeah mm. and there's something for me about the thing that i'm really feeling is that it it's you have to you have to say yes to all of it yeah you don't have to but oh yeah yeah it's i in one of my notes i wrote um um checkmate you win the one who's checkmated is the one who wins. Yeah. Not the one who's made the checkmate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's so beautiful and an enactment of exactly what we're we're speaking of. And I do want, even though it's um, in no way required at all, because 
we have spoken about you, John, if you wish to say anything. Um, and I know speaking in public is not your favorite thing, but it's, uh, I would welcome you if you'd like to say anything since you're being spoken about uh, and how much appreciation we have for you. I can't see you, so I'm not sure. Ah, there you are. Uh, I feel very full and uh, <clears throat> yesterday certainly felt uh, some overwhelm and um, it's not that I am averse to, to speaking in public, it's just that often there are no words and, and that's how it is now. So, yes. so maybe... Uh, I won't try, just... Well, and the word, the most important thing, uh, you said yes, and you stepped forward and said what you needed to say, and there aren't more words, that's fine. Thank you so much. Thank you. So today, as you can see, uh, I wanted to invite these kinds of connections and uh, to reflect on the ways that this thing seems to be opening and opening and opening in such a beautiful way um, and to, to embody it and to uh, see it continuing um, in the moment as we're doing it. Um, I know that Trudy had added the mackerel poem, by the way, in the chat, if anybody uh, would like it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, Cassie can also add it when she posts the audio, so we can, uh, we can have all of these, uh, it'd be nice, it's so, so beautiful. We've taken a good bit of our time uh, by enacting inquiry all along. But if there anyone else who'd like to step forward and say anything, uh, ask anything um, in this continuing unfolding, please do. Hi. I was wondering how you were after having such a big opening during the retreat. Mm. It's hard to put that into words, but I think I may have tried yesterday when I wrote a poem. Oh, good, another one, yay. <laughs> I read a poem yesterday by someone called Jean Lohman, which was called All Day My Heart Says Nothing But Thank You. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a poem with the same title, the same first line. All day my heart says nothing but thank you. I breathe the words with every step still walking heel to toe with all of you. My mind can still see the peonies falling open like your beautiful faces. And I am saying thank you, yes, to all that comes and practicing dying with all that falls away. Gratitude comes easily after such connection, the gifts and openings of our shared humanity. Swimming in the merciful ocean, just being a fish. And with wholehearted joy, I am saying thank you, as I remember how it is to be nothing and everything all at once. The boundless love 
with which the Dharma passes warm hand to heart. You have to have another bell for that one. Realizing you're nothing and everything. Saying thank you. I hope that we can also get a copy of that one. At some point, there's no rush. And when you first came on, you just clicked and first appeared larger for me. Um, I asked the question about, I was wondering how you were, you know, following the weekend, but actually I could see it. And with that beautiful painting of the ocean behind you, it's nice. Swimming in the merciful ocean, just being a fish. That's right. Thank you for sharing your heart so tenderly. Thank you. So much richness, so much generosity. And we started with teachings that sounded like uh, a problem or something that's scary or something that's blocked, something that's unknown. I don't know where to go. But truly embodying and letting ourselves move into this way offers it offers what you've, what you've seen. Like that story that I've told before about the person who, in the middle of uh, seven days, Shishin came to Suzuki Roshi and said, I can't do this, it's too hard. I don't, I don't know where to go, I've turned, it's too much. I have to leave. And he, he didn't suggest that they stay. He said, yes, we try and we try and we fail. And then we go deeper. And this is the, the deeper that Lynn's stepping into now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just reminded then of um, I was trying to think which retreat it was when when you asked me to offer a response to I think it might have been anyway I can't remember which one it was but I um, I had the image of the uh, fireflies mm -hmm. lighting each other up and that made me think about, you know, that's how it feels, what you're, that sort of constant. Um, inconceivable mystery that is moving all of the time and we don't. It's, it's like a, a wordless call and response. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I was, We've been reading in, in one of the uh, Little Wednesday Sangha meetings, uh, Paradise in Plain Sight with Karen Mason Miller. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, <laughs> and there's a, a quote that I'd written in my book, which, uh, which I'd like to read. Please, absolutely. This is what we're doing. We're, we're inviting each other to continue to flow together. She says, usually we think life begins with a momentous bang so long ago we can't remember and ends with a whimper 
so long from now we aren't worried. But the Buddhist view is a bit different. Neither life nor death is a one-time shot. We are born and we die six billion times a day and the entire universe along with us. Really? What we experience as just a measly little life is actually the world's biggest light show, appearing and disappearing with such inconceivable speed that we can't even perceive it. Each of us, each moment, is like a blazing solar flare or a starburst gone by the time we read about it. Even though I can't express it, you know what I mean. Sometimes in the middle of an ordinary day, you feel so sadness and longing, and you have a deep sense of your own disappearance. So that's Karen's words, but it's you speaking. Because mm. I hear you, even as you use her words. Thank you. Thank you. I love, I love being part of this light show. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite spectacular, isn't it? <laughs> yes, thank you. And it's it's like um, a, a friend of mine was speaking to me the other day about uh, a journey that um, she took with her young uh, son, and they were riding into a canyon in the west part of the United States with a guide and uh, on horseback, and they'd not done this before, and it was very treacherous and difficult and cold and raining, and they were in stream. It was, and when they got back, her son said, that was the most awful and awesome thing I've ever done. <laughs> May we say that at the end of our life? Yes. Yes. It's awesome and awful. It is. <laughs> All okay. the mackerel hooks. And Julia, we have Julia too now. Thank you. Yes, thank you. There you go. Hello. Hello. Um, second time in a week is a bit of a, a strange thing. Yes. Um, inquiry is a thing of words, and we've heard some absolutely beautiful words to treasure today. But words don't always come easy. And for some of us, words don't come easy. And I want to thank John for being brave enough to say and giving me strength to say sometimes, well, it's okay not to have those words. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that we treasure any of the less, that I treasure any of the less, being here with everybody. So I'm walking through my Dharma gate. Yes. Of um, coming forward and speaking. Even, even if I run out of words. Yes. Thank you. And all the words are only an invitation to the thing that's most important, which is just presence. 
And so if you offer presence, that's enough. The words are just to warmly connect us sometimes, but they're not the real thing. And yet, there are, you have to say something. It's beautiful to say. But just, they really point to the presence in that, and I'm glad that you're underscoring that. And after all this time, never coming forward twice in a few days, my goodness. Yeah, um, I should have to do a bit more practicing, shan't I? And <laughs> do it well, again sometime. <laughs> what you bring is your presence, and that's what's important. In your... <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Ah, so it's the end of our time, so we'll remind ourselves of um, the, the risky business caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way. And if you as uh, I use um, uh, the words that we hear each, if you pop yourself into gallery view, uh, I see in my thing, Cassie's there in the middle. So give her this for her happy birthday today. Cassie's birthday. And thank you, Maria. You can go from here. Happy birthday, Cassie. <laughs> Thank you so much, Flint and everyone, for what's felt like a real interweaving of hearts and, and as Lynn put it, a real light show. So thank you all so much. And if you'd like to offer Dana to Flint, then please do go to appamada.org forward slash contribute and you'll find a place to offer Dana to Flint there and for anything else for Appamada events. So thank you all so much. And if you'd like to continue to meet and share and join myself and others for a further 30 minutes, please do pop yourself into gallery view if you haven't already done it, because Flint's just asked you to, and, uh, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. Thank you all so much. Thank you. And happy birthday, Cassie, again. <laughs>